talk with Mia and Sam. Roof talk with Mia and Sam. City women getting with it. Up high. <laughs> Hi, y'all. It's Mia and Sam. And Nick. I'm Nick. <laughs> Welcome to Roof Talk, episode four. Oh, oh my gosh. We, our last guest was Nicole DeRue, who Nick is not familiar with at all. I, uh, I don't, I like to pretend that Nicole doesn't exist. <laughs> it's, she's kind of like, like, it's like, you know, you know, when you had like, you were like a, like a kid and you, you had like imaginary friends that you could like wish away at will. That's kind of what Nicole is to me. Like, oh, yeah, like Nicole exists when I want her to exist and doesn't when I don't. And that's kind of how. Well, I got to tell you, it's also how I view Sam uh, a lot of the time. It's like, do I want Sam? Do I want to pretend that Sam's energy is in the world or not today? That's kind of the question when I wake up and I think about it. And then I think, but then I think, you know what? But if Sam doesn't exist, then I don't get lazy town. And without Lazy Town, then what purpose does my life serve? Absolutely. Let me just, let me just, let's just take a moment. Uh, I have, I've now known Nick Walker for years and out of no, okay, gargle it, honey. Gargle it. And out of nowhere, I get a text message that's like, this is a very important question. Super important. Were you or were you not? the girl from lazy town oh. and i was like i'm surprised that you didn't know this and he was like i i had no idea and this completely changes the game of our entire relationship accurate wow accurate. i would say have you, have you seen her tiktok of her in lazy town it went viral i did well she showed it to me i i don't have tiktok i'm not i'm not i'm an old i'm old i'm an old person oh my god TikTok so I don't, does not discriminate based on age nick i doesn't I also, but I'm also like, I'm cantankerous and, uh, and I don't like change. So that's true. Will, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like it. I don't yeah. like new things. So this will, it will never happen. It took me like, it took me like seven years to get onto Instagram. Do you know what got I mean? It, got I, it, got it, got it. TikTok's a way off for me. He just and, angry tweets. That's really all he does via social media. It's just like aggressive tweets. Aggressive, <laughs> aggressive, aggressive. But so I, I did not see, I did not see Sam's, uh, uh, her viral uh, Lazy Town video, uh, but uh, she showed it to me, and from then on, it was different. Because the thing, you know, Sam. So Sam and I, we met doing the the, the Hamilton thing, and um, What's Hamilton. What's that? Is that a new show? It's a bank. Oh, oh okay, that makes more sense. It's 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 a bank that happens to. Be, I'm kidding. It's a it, no. It's it's a very it's a very wonderful and popular and uh, and, and lovely show uh, that we that we it both. Is. I owe my career to, so I, I can't, say, can't say anything bad about it. I uh, love you, Lynn. Uh, but uh, it is it is definitely a thing, and we met doing that. And so I I always kind of viewed her as like, oh yeah, it's my you know it's my sister Sam. But then I knew that she was connected to Lazy Town, and then I said, aha, mm-hmm, there it is. I need to know though, like, do do you have some sort of like emotional pull to Lazy Town? Like, is that why it's important to you? <sighs> if by emotional pull you mean that I used to skip freshman and sophomore year of high school days of that, go get high and watch it. Then yes, I have a strong emotional pull towards lazy town. Uh, I love lazy town. It's, it's the best. 
Sporticus drops out of a blimp in the sky. I mean, what? I don't know what else we're talking about. You know what I've, I mean? never, like I've never seen it. I've never, never seen it. literally. So never what seen are it. you? What am I doing with my life? Let's, I don't even. Let's know. talk. Let's talk about you for a second. No, this is your episode. No, this is now. Now we're talking about you. You. So where are you from? I'm from Houston, Texas. You're from Houston, Texas, and mm-hmm. you are a performer. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm a performer. Yeah, and you and your best friend is your co-host. My best friend is my co-host. Yeah, we became best friends like a year ago, like almost exactly a year ago during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and I know a bunch of like people that she went to college with. And so yeah. we just kind of met, you know, through mutual friends and, and stuff like that. And our mutual ex. And a mutual ex. Yeah, we talked about it on the first episode. Uh, I I did I did hear about that. The but, eyes uh, the eyes just got so wide. <laughs> he said, "I'm gonna sip my my I'm gonna sip my 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 cocktail tea." But what <laughs> I'm saying is, with all of this happening, you're telling me you haven't watched Lazy Town. I haven't. I want to keep Sam in my eyes as like my best friend and not start to like idolize her as this lazy town oh no 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 no. it's more so like i feel like after like three glasses of wine maybe mia would be like i think maybe you should cut your hair dye it pink get a bob get a bob i would i would say that yeah so steering back from lazy town thank you nick um i think it's important to acknowledge and i don't i i mean i hate you so much uh so this is crazy but you're our first male guest and i think that you know, we've talked about this a lot. Our podcast is very much geared towards uh, inclusivity in all regard. Um, but, you know, we are two women and we are our first our first audience. Our first goal audience is like young girls, like young girls who are coming into their adolescence, um, you know, maybe going to college. Uh, and so like our first two guests are two of our best girlfriends who can bring a different kind of point of view to the table of that so you're our first male guest which is which is exciting because we've talked about feminism a lot and i think that we have we yes not well okay uh <laughs> no, we, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, i agree uh, we have yeah. i think it well and me and i both are, are very strong believers in feminism that asks for everyone to be seen as equal as opposed to feminism that hates everyone that's not a woman yeah. I think that there's there's a very exclusive type of feminism. That's not what we are. So very excited to have you on. Very excited to have you here. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm. I will say in in all in all, you know, we're obviously uh, me and me, me and Sam have a very uh, very joking relationships. Like the polite way to put it, I would say more that we can't stand when the other is happy. <laughs> I. That's what. I, but but in a moment of of seriousness, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. And, and I think that, I, you know, look, in terms of the, the exclusivity or the inclusivity of feminism, as someone who is not on the ground floor of this movement, I do not want to say either way. But what I will say is, um, I think that any time you have a movement that is asking for equity, um, it is coming out of a deep pain of not having that. So I would say that the exclusion of people, while no is not you know is not based you know what we want in the end is understandable only because any movement is coming out of trauma so what happens when you're coming out of a trauma you need to take care of yourself first what yeah. can we gain as a community 
right? And that's to say, because if you even, my, my mom was on, um, I have a show called The Chaos Twins with uh, my buddy Sasha on, on Broadway World. And my mom, we did a, a Black, uh, Black Lady Magic was the name of the episode uh, this, this past month. Um, and it was just a bunch of Black women just talking about just their experiences from three generations. And my mom brought up this, this point of like, when the, uh, when the feminist movement started back in the 50s and 60s, um, you know, there was actually this divide. I mean, still is in a lot of regards between white women and black women, because, you know, white women were starting this movement um, and were like, well, you know, we're, we're hoping the black woman would come in. But the thing is, the black women had been doing it and and had been doing it in a way where had yet to be recognized for doing it. And so there was already a divide there. And I say all that to say, you know, tribalism and this idea of intersectionality, um, it, 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 we, we're fighting generations of trauma. Yes. You are, you're fighting generations of trauma. So I think the work to make any sort of movement inclusive is incredible. I also make space for the fact that like, honestly, a movement about you getting your rights sometimes is not helped by having a person like me in there. I don't know. So why would I in any way get a say in what you need yeah, to feel I, safe? I also yeah. feel like that that no I, I do know that about you, even though our relationship is like mild like very satirical. Um like Incredibly. You know, while while we hate seeing each other happy, Nick Walker was also the person that would see me crying backstage during a show, yank me into his dressing room and like talk about my feelings, would like hear me, receive me, validate me like when I really needed it. Um, and I think that, you know, when like looking at like who we wanted our first male guest to be, I know that I know that that's where you stand with movements like that. And you are, you know the last thing that I ever want is to feel like I'm being told that any, like, especially on our podcast, like, I don't want anything that we're being taught, like that we're talking about to be told by a male guest that like, it's wrong, you know, or like, they don't agree with it. And I know that you, you are very clear on where you stand and you are an ally of everyone that you love. So I think it's, it's, it's awesome to hear you say that. And, and also like educational, cause you know, it's important to make space for everyone. So, yeah. so I dope. Think, I think also like most trauma comes out of feeling like you're not being heard. Yes. So that's what I love most about like opening up these conversations in in such an intimate way. Like podcasts are, are such a cool format for that. Yes. Because there's no sense of like people are watching me. It's it's literally just like having a conversation and letting it go where it, where it goes. Mm -hmm. So I love that you're on because, you know, like... I, I think we need, we need to open these up and be like, Hey, I don't know what your experience is. Why don't you tell me like, yeah. like what, what, why don't you let me know? I'm never going to be able to understand it, but like, if I'm going to make room for you to let me in and it doesn't mean I'm going to take over the movement. It doesn't mean I'm going to step on you. It's literally just, I'm here to listen. Well, and, and, and I would even, cause I, I mean, 100% agree. And I would even go so far as to say like, you don't have to explain it to me like you you i mean i'm like the very nature of me being invited onto your podcast you have invited me into your home so what you know and and let's let's compare this to a movement right a social movement you're in i'm in your movement okay so i you asked me and i chose to be here i chose to come in 
does that mean that you need to sit me down and take me through the every nuance of what you're feeling? No. What I have pledged to you is while I might not understand it, and while you have no responsibility to explain it to me, I stand with you. Why? Because of the basic concept that every human being deserves equity. You talk about allyship. That's allyship. It's like, right. yeah, you actually, uh, yes, listen. Listen if you want to explain. Even if you don't explain, I'm still here. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. So yeah. that, so th- you know, I, I, think, I think that's always been, and that truly, honestly, I will say comes from the way I was raised, the, the, the people I was raised by. Um, and that's just something that, and I, and I, I, I take very seriously. I don't, I don't like, you know, talk, I mean, the pr- best person to talk to this about is my wife. Um, cause she, she will kill over some, some inclusivity. Yeah. And, and that is absolutely something I, I also stand on. I just don't, yeah, I don't like people feeling like they're not, they're not part of the conversation. It's yeah. almost like it's almost like when you're in, you know, like a, a sad place or like you're having a really bad day and, and you invite your friend in to be there with you mm-hmm. and they're okay with you not explaining how sad you are or what's making you sad. They're literally just there to be like, I'm here. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Precisely. I, so I want I want to talk I want to take it back just for just for people who are listening who might not know who you are. Um would you care to just kind of tell us where you're from? You know, if like, like uh, how, yeah. how, how you got to where you are and like what you've been up to, um, you know, just, and, and we, we may, we may like intersect and talk about things, but yeah, mm-hmm. just like, just give us a little background so that we can get started in the, in the deep stuff, you know? Absolutely. Well, I come from, shit. I come from this flask. I was born here and I'll die. Oh. Uh, you know, I'm going to pour that right into my, my tea right now. <laughs> uh, for, those, for those of you at home we are making this kind of a bourbon night um, it's a bourbon because, night yes because Nick, we talked about having a gold rush cocktail yeah. which is bourbon, honey and lemon juice um yeah. so that's that's what, what we're working with that's what we're working with right now and it's and it's delicious and i will say try it at home if you haven't uh it's really good uh so yeah no where i come from um i'm from boston massachusetts uh you know this is yeah, there you go. Be- He's a mass hole. I'm a mass hole. Pack the cat and have it yad. Accurate, accurate. And, uh, you know, I think I, I think that that actually, you talk about inclusivity, you talk about all that stuff. I think that is also part of it because from the very beginning, I'm a black kid growing up in a mostly white Irish town. Mm. And what that does to me, uh, that and also like so many uh, uh, people, uh, men in my in my in my profession and in my, in art, uh, daddy issues, uh, those mm-hmm. two things very much came together to create the person I am today. Uh, and we can actually get into that if you want, but it's, uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, I think that, so to, to back it up a little bit. Um, so my mother, uh, uh, is my hero. My mother was a news anchor for about 30 years. She was the first black news anchor in new England. And oh my God. she, and she, yeah, so that was back in the 60s, 70s. And she came in and, and came in guns blazing and and um, faced a lot of discrimination. And there was, you know, when I was born, um, she wouldn't reveal who the father was. And there was a lot of complications about who my father was and is. Um, and actually, Hamilton was part of the thing that that brought me 
not closer to my father, but closer to the information of who my father was. And we'll get to that in a second. But all that to say, my, my birth was very, at least in Boston, was like very controversial. Like if you, to this day, if you go to Boston and you, and you ask people who've lived there who Liz Walker is, they'll know, A. And they'll also be like, oh, I remember when you were born because at the time, you have to understand, this is a, a Black career woman who's a single mom who's not revealing who the father of her son is. So I have like, I literally have articles from the Times, the Globe, about like protests outside of her news station, about like, how dare you be this kind of role model for young women, not wow. having a father for this boy. Wow. And like, I mean, and truly like Catholic church, like it, it, it got intense, Jesus. Um, but she, but she, she stood it up and she did it and raised me. Um, and, you know, all those things come together. I will say that, you know, and then she, she leaves the news to become a minister she goes to harvard goes to harvard divinity and and studies uh, and becomes a reverend and her her father was a reverend and then we find out that his father was a reverend so this is something that goes back and back and back but all this to say i come from a long line of like people who kind of stand up against the grain and and do shit um and that that's something that i i i love to do so i think a lot of my love of art um came from that i from a very young age loved storytelling Mark Twain was my first and still is my favorite author um, and writer. I just loved, I love his stories. I love the way that he weaves words. What's your words. favorite story by Twain? Huckleberry Finn, Bardon. It's just, I, and to, to the point, you know, this is kind of a tangent, but when, when I was on the Hamilton tour, uh, Sam, I think you were there. Were you, were you there in Kansas City? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if, I actually don't know if you know about this, but when, when. You, ha uh, you had a day, didn't you? Day. You had a so, day. So Kansas City, right? So Mark Twain is from, if you don't know, is from Hannibal, Missouri. Hannibal is about two and two hours outside of Kansas City. And um, what's cool about Hannibal, it's right on the Mississippi and it is, I, it is street for street, St. Petersburg, where Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn live. Like he literally just took his town. And wow. what's great is they've, they have preserved the town as it was in his day. So like the same cobblestone streets, the same white picket fence, like, and he, you have to think of it, like he's Tom Sawyer, his buddy is Huck Finn. So like those houses and places all exist and you can actually see them. Um, the caves that Tom and Becky get lost in exist. So me and Kyle, Kyle Scatliff and Fergie Philippe, who are like my brothers. Oh, I, know, I know Fergie, yeah. Oh, you know Fergie? Oh, great, great, I'm so sorry. I'm oh, so Fergie. Sorry. Oh, really, we're really just kind of social media friends. I, I, I don't actually think I've ever met him in person. But. I love Fergie. Fer he's like, he's like, he's truly my little brother. And, and what are you? Oh, I okay. Let's not, do you, did I ever come on this show and I, did I say that I'm like a good person? You said that. <laughs> it was all take like a deep I didn't, breath. Deep I didn't breath. say that. This is, this I'm, is... I'm a trash, I'm, tra I'm trash. I'm a clown. I am too. Sam. I get it. I get it. So Mark hmm? Twain, huh? Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Huck Finn, huh? And then we go Huck Finn, Mark Twain. Um, but no, so we went, we went and uh, we w explored those caves. Like it was, it was, we just took a day and went down to Hannibal. It was truly like amazing for me. So all that to say, like um, that was very much in my DNA. In fact, the first play I ever wrote was in second grade and it was an adaptation of Tom Sawyer. I'm sure if I read it today, it would not make any sense, but like we did it as our like sp spring play. That's amazing, um, though. That's it, it was, it was great. Second it was, grade, holy second shit. Grade. 
I love, I just loved writing again. I just want to say, I'm sure that it was trash, but like it, but I did it. And um, so that was cool. And, and, and it just, it just kind of ballooned from there. And I was, I was in, uh, there was a course in, in Boston called uh, PALS Performing Artists at Lincoln School, which was my elementary school. And uh, the conductor of that course also was just very connected. Like we, they were the, the official ch children's course of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. So you travel, you go, you jo join this course and like, you're like automatically performing at Carnegie, like Carnegie Hall was my first year, or like Tanglewood or Symphony Hall, doing all these amazing things. And so that also shaped, like I loved opera and I loved big music. And then the third thing that shaped me as an artist was movies. Um, I'm upset. Sam can tell you, I, I am obsessed with movies, obsessed, 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 sense. obsessed. I've, I've literally yeah. only talked to you now for what, 15 minutes. And like, I can see that. I, I'm, I mean, look, I'm wearing my Wayne, my Wayne Enterprises t-shirt. Um, Nick used um, to, um, when we were on tour, uh, like dependent on what the movie was, but if there was a movie coming out that he was passionate about, whether it was like Avengers, um, a director that he loved or whatever, he would rent out an Alamo draft house and we would all go after yeah. our show and we would eat and drink and we would all go watch movies together. And I think it, I don't know, it was, it was eye-opening for me. I consider myself someone who like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a movie buff, but I know enough. Um, but like in the age of streaming, we, you know, it's, it's tricky. Like with, with streaming, everything's available at our fingertips. And I kind of forgot what it was like to go see a movie yeah. in a theater yeah. Um, with friend and like that's such a it's a rite of passage like it's a coming of age thing like remember when like some of the first times that my mother would let me out of the house to go hang out with people without supervision was to go see movies so there's yeah. there's nostalgia there's a there's a different experience like getting your like eighty dollar popcorn and like sitting and watching the movies and that was those are some of my favorite tour memories and you 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 did that you You're did that. Kind. Well, but you know what it is? It, there was two things that came, that went into that decision. Number one was the fact that, like, you know, I, unless you know, I think I think I'm so I'm someone who I I don't I, I like to I like to do a lot. I like to do a lot. And I like to do it full force. So playing Burr, which is a very hard role, and I I hate that. I hate when actors are like, oh my god, it's so hard and difficult because it's like we play and we have fun. That's what we do. We get paid to do that. But I was very tired and I'm also, I'm also an introvert, uh, like really, really. So the whole hanging out after the show, rarely going to happen. Like truly like, and Sam, Sam can attest to this. Like it would be like, I would text a couple people after and be like, Hey, you want to get like a, a quiet drink somewhere down the street? That's, and that's maybe happening like once every blue moon. Do yeah. you mean like I'm very much a go home and read? Um, so this was a way for me to hang with my cast, but that yeah. also was like, I could feel comfortable. I didn't feel like I had to do anything out of my comfort zone. I was like, I can, and also, also just like a gift, like, like keeping the cast morale going. Cause it's hard for everyone in that show. Hamilton, we joke about it, but Hamilton is a brilliant freaking piece of theater. And it's brilliant because of how hard it is and how detailed it is to sustain. So what can we do to make that experience easier and that's that's where they came from but, but yeah I, I love movies i love movies and i love that storytelling and i i my favorite thing to do even to this day um is watch watch a screener but also read the script as i go through and just and just look at 
look at how you construct these things. How do you make these things happen? Um, so has that's that, has that been hard for you, like not being able to go and see movies, yeah, like in the theaters, like for the yeah. first time. Yeah, I hate it. I it's hate been it. hard for me too because I find myself not paying attention as close as I would like. Yeah. Like I will be reaching for my fucking phone. And yep. that's something I, I hate about myself, but like, I know we're all in the same boat. Like it's just there. And I yes. know I'm enjoying the movie, but like, it's too easy. It, it's I, I'm not in the experience. Like I normally am when I'm in a theater. Yeah. There's since the, since the dawn of time, we have been gathering in dark spaces to hear stories told. That's a, that's a human truth. Totally. And, and the idea that, we are deprived of that at the moment, whether it is theater or whether it is movie theater, um, is is really detrimental. Like I, I, I honestly, because it's it's not. I know that you know HBO Max and Warner Brothers jumped on this whole train. We're like, oh, we're gonna re release our whole slate online. And that's you know, and that's gonna be amazing. And I know it boosted their subscriptions, and good for them. But like that experience, like we, I'm, I'm, I as much you know, I. I'm on the Christopher Nolan boat about this. I, we got to fight for that experience. It's agree. that's the experience to have that movie theater, that, that thing. That's my favorite of the, you know, my favorite movie experience in the past besides Avengers Endgame, which was just mind blowing. And that experience was mind blowing um, was when the hateful eight came out um, and Tarantino did the, the 70 millimeter release. Right. So yes. he did it like, he, right like he had uh, if you guys mm. saw it in that he had like the get your program right and it was like a intermission and an overture and like an entrac that's i love that that makes totally. me feel so taken care of yeah so so i love that so all that to say movies twain um uh and and boston, boston. Mm -hmm. all come together and uh so i, I and, and and i know i love theater so i i go to school i go to nyu which is where I teach now. Very scary. Uh, you know, I went to NYU undergrad. What school? Tish School of the Arts, bitch. What studios? I was in new studio all four years. So did you know that Kent Gash came to my wedding? Do you know Kent Gash is my, he's, he's basically my uncle. Kent oh. Gash, he, yeah, let's talk about Kent. Oh, oh my God. Wait, okay. I have an incredible story. So Kent was my sophomore acting teacher for yes. Shakespeare all yep. year. Yep. Kent's like a, like a, you know, like an uncle to, to me in that way. Like he's, yes. he's just, he's the fucking best. Yes. And we were doing something where he, like the person who was, who was up working in class, like, kept giving so much exposition about the about the the scene you yeah. know this is the, this is the story yeah, oh this is the story. amazing wait wait okay. wait maybe i've told a couple stories about kent but this one he literally he literally just stopped the person talking and he was like but why do we need to know so much he the grinch he hates christmas oh the play Oh, oh, you told you told me that story because I am also the Grinch and also Nick is also the Grinch. But yes, that's him. Sure, OK, he's just like he the Grinch. He hates Christmas. Start the play. And I auditioned. I auditioned. My first experience with Kent was auditioning. It was me. And if you know the actor, Ismael Cruz, mm -hmm. um, we we were in his I forget what it was called. If it was like the Civil Rights Project or so, it was some project about black writers from the 60s and onwards. And I auditioned for it. And I remember Kent 
I get to the final round of auditions and I do my audition for Kent. And uh, it was like some monologue or something. And he looks at me and I'll never forget this. I give him shit about this to this day. He said, oh, I'm going to use you like a crack hoe. That was it. And this is like, this is in, I'm a, I'm a junior or senior in, in college. And this, this grown ass man whose work I love, by the way, it's like, I'm going to use you like a crack hoe. And I said, oh, this oh. is terrifying. My but that's God. Kent. Kent, that Kent is, is him. That's Kent. He's the he, oh no, yeah, the best. He's the father. The like he is yeah. the absolute father. Um, I ha I literally have a list. I'll have to send you this list. We we compiled a list of all his best quotes from that entire year because it oh, was just it. like it was amazing. But he's beyond, and it was and it was so. He also, tr I mean, and I I I was I wasn't in news studio. I only had him as a director. Um, but he was the first maybe the only black acting black man acting teacher and actually black acting teacher that i had at nyu i will i could yeah yeah wow. he was okay and, and this was i mean again and you know this the racial politics of, of of university life are to this day complicated to say yes. the least um but it meant the world to me to have anyone let alone someone of his caliber his his ingenuity his care um at the helm and that i 100 percent uh he my first my fir one of my first jobs out of school he directed me and oak and uh our friend rebecca lachance in stew stew was doing a was trying out a uh the, who wrote passing strength you don't know him um, um, you know, but, uh, he was, he was, uh, doing an update of Romeo and Juliet and it was me as Romeo, Oak as Mercutio and Rebecca Lachance as Juliet. And it was, it was crazy. I mean, th that music was killer, but and Kent, Kent was going in on that piece. And I'm I, like, to this day, I'm like so sad that piece never, never went because it was really effing cool. It was so fun. Um, and Kent was so, so good at the helm of that. Um, can I, can I ask a quick question? I just, I, we don't have to go here. I'm just curious there. I feel like, especially, and I would love to hear your thoughts, Nick, because you're now a professor at NYU. Um, I, there's been a lot of discussion around education and especially arts education in college settings and university settings about the hierarchy and the racism that goes into accepting students, hiring professors, and kind of what that leaves us with as we enter the industry. Um, and I, I love hearing you talk about having a relationship with someone who you still are very close to that like mm -hmm. clearly shaped the careers and person personas of everyone that came through that program. Yes. Would you care to talk a little bit about like what it was like to kind of feel like someone maybe was on your team in that way. Oh, I'll talk. And that oh, no. was the only person there that kind of yeah. was there for you in that way. Yeah. I'll talk about, I'll talk about that ad nauseum. Uh, and I'm and literally about to text Kent too and be like, yo, just so you know, I'm, I'm gassing you up right now. Um, oh my God. Literally, <laughs> please tell him I, I send my love. I, love I will. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell him. Yes. Okay, I will good, absolutely good, tell good, him. Good. Um, <laughs> yes, Sam, you know, here's the thing. Uh, and I can say this now teaching, um, I had a, I had a student when I teach five sections across, uh, I teach it, I teach. So, so me, I teach in at Tish, I teach in three different studios. I'm classical in Stone Street and 
I'm new studio. Oh, sick. And then, okay, and cool. Then, yeah. And then I'm also at Steinhardt. So oh. together. Oh you know, I did pre-college at Steinhardt. Oh, did you? Like, almost went to school there. Oh, I love it. For, love it. for vocal performance, honey. Come on, vocal performance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so between that, I have about, it's about five, six sections. Um, I had a student break down and cry because I was the first black man professor they had had. Um, this is, so first of all, let's talk about how much college costs. Let's talk about how much NYU costs because I know how much it costs when I went there, but it costs even more now. And, and you can justify that any way you want, but the fact of the matter is, unless you're subsidizing that with adequate outreach and adequate financial aid, that very much determines who gets to come to your school. That absolutely sets a bar. That's like Disney raising prices. So I'm a huge parks person, by the way. That's the, that's the other half of this that we have not yet discussed. Um, I, I, go to the, I go to the theme parks at least twice a year. Um, they're my favorite places on earth. But when you raise the ticket prices, that means that that's a certain status, financial status of person that can and can't go. Huh. So for a school that is purporting itself to be the university of the people, the university of inclusion, my question becomes, what is inclusive about raising your tuition? What, who does that include? How, how do you offset that? And, it's, and it's, it's, it's a question I ask as someone who loves NYU, who owes their career to NYU, who teaches at NYU, who is so proud to, to teach at NYU, but it, it, it's not just NYU. I also say that, right? It's, it's schools across the country. How are we making these schools accessible? How? How are we doing it? And is it working? Is it working? And, yeah. and I think that it's not, a, you know, I, schools are going to do everything they can. And like, again, I don't, I'm not shitting on NYU. I get email after email after email about how they are working on it. Totally. My thing is, we have to keep the fire to their feet because you can never stop working on it. It's right. never done ever. So all that to say, the personal impact it had on me, um, my NYU years as a student, and this was back in 1907, um, but I, I look back at things that happened to me at NYU and I actually, one of the, one of the craziest things that, that has happened during the pandemic was one of my boys, like my boy, like this is so, I'm about to embarrass the crap out of myself and you guys will never talk to me. Well, Sam, you're never going to talk to me again, so it's fine. Um, when I went to, uh, so I was, I was Adler Classical Stone Street. Those mm -hmm. are my studios. And when you I was- do Adler, Adler Primary and then Classical one year, Stone Street another? classical one year academic semester which if you're in school right now take an academic semester do it that or is, study, study abroad as well study, it's, uh, yeah. yes yes Huge. please please focus on something besides theater please focus on something please please understand that there's a world beyond the arts where people are suffering and dying please know that um preach i i retweet <sighs> Yeah, As someone who went to a conservatory and loves my education, but went to a conservatory, we were not given the opportunity to study yep. abroad. And that is 
the one thing that I, the one thing that I would, the hill that I would die on yep. when it comes to flaws in my education. Yeah. And it's, and it's something right because we want, we want to right. Both of you are passionate artists. You want to devote everything you have to your art. You want to give it everything. And you have four years of training to do. So like, yeah, you, of course, of course you invest in that, but like also invest in yourself as a person growth, you know, growth as a, as a human being is synonymous with growth as an artist. So do that together. Um, but all that to say, we, I was, there were, there were six, uh, six of us who got named, I, I think, I think it was because we were the only straight boys in the Adler, in that class, but we were, we were called the dude bros. And it was, and I, I will, I'll, I'll text you all a picture of us at, cause it's, it's exactly what you think it is. Exactly as douchey as you think we were. That's what it is and an adler when you guys and are doing all this fucking classical shit and like, oh my god the boys that i would have flocked yeah. to in college are you kidding me that's oh, yeah. Hell yeah 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 it was terrible it was terrible not you though i hate you not, so not not the all black not you wearing Nothing. all black i mean all black oh i'm gonna send you a picture that's gonna literally i know all, I know going all to... about it. i'm gonna just quickly block your number uh no. in fact i'm gonna do this right now I think, uh, I, think I, I still have it i want to live react yeah, I, 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 I want you guys to be able to see this and experience this as we're talking. But so, that's, so. Wait, wait, also, that's so interesting. How did you pick Adler? Is that, did you get randomly selected there freshman year? Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So I, I never, so I never wanted to study musical theater. So that was part of it. Like I wasn't going for musical theater. I wasn't trying to be in there. Um, I was just like, I just want to act. I want to act. And I, you have to understand, I showed up to add to like the NYU auditions. Do you know how like, like, I'm sure, you know, Mia, you seem like a very, like, like, together person who, like, knows their shit, is on top of their shit. Like, oh, you know, wow. you do. Like, it's so, you, I'm assuming that for your, your school audition, you showed up and, like, like, you know, were, like, prepared, had, like, a monologue, had, like, a headshot, like, a resume. Like, did you have all these things? Yes? I, I did. So. I did. What's funny, though, is I was so jaded by the time yeah. I got to my NYU audition that I literally did not give a fuck. I went in there without shoes on. Yep. Like, yep. I literally went in. I wore leggings. I yep. wore an oversized top and I was barefoot. And yep. I went in. I sang in front of Michael McElroy, who turned out to be my mentor. And Love I that. was like, fuck this shit as I travel on. Like, I, <laughs> yes. I, I couldn't give a shit. Yeah. So, so in a way, like, yes, I kind of did have my shit together in terms of like, I knew what a college audition entailed, but I was not polished Mia when I went into that audition. So I will, I will do you one better because I was not polished Nick when I went into audition, but for different reasons. My reasons was I hate authority and don't tell me what to do. So I showed up all these kids. I remember they all had their, right. They all had their like their, their, you know, resumes and they're all like dressed nice and they all had their songbooks or whatever. I literally showed up y'all and Sam will know that this is my regular uh, outfit, cargos and a graphic tee with my resume scrawled on the back of a piece of paper. Uh, my headshot was a Polaroid that I took in the audition room that very day. And uh, uh, it was bad. It was like, but they knew, I feel like they also were like, Ooh, this kid's an individual. He can't yes. be contained. We love that shit. So it was he's just so like East village. He's, he's so, so oh, that's exactly. Well, what they well there's right. also, I, I'm going to interrupt you real quick, Nick, because I want to, I want to 
connect this Picture. quickly. And in our last episode, Nicole, with Nicole, yes. so, yeah. so, so, and you know this about Nicole, I'm going to look at this picture after I finish this little, Please. uh, Easter egg. Um, Please. Nicole went to school for business, was a commercial dancer and mm-hmm. then booked Hamilton and any other job that she's gotten because she's walked in the room being like, Hey, I, I don't look like the other 40 girls that are outside. Um, I don't have a, a book. I don't, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be here for, but I'm here. And she booked, she's booked every job that she's gotten because of that. And I think that there is something to like, not only the actors that are, that I, that I classify when I think of like success, successful actors who are also people that I surround myself with. I've had, yep. had some wine, y'all. Um, I'm obsessed. Successful actors who I surround myself with are the people that are like, ah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna form to that. Yeah. Oh, fuck and and yeah. and also like at the end of the day, especially with fucking college auditions, mm-hmm. if I don't get in, I'll either go somewhere else or I will just move to New York and start auditioning and I'll work at a fucking pizzeria. Like I yeah. will make it work yeah. either way. Yeah. And yep. I think there's something to that because it, it it speaks highly to me that you still wear the same outfit every day that you wore for your NYU audition. I and do. and what's the fucking use of buying overpriced pants and a fucking shirt that you hate that you're not yep. going to perform your best in, right? Yep. You would never wear. Yep. Like that's not you. Now here's it's disconnecting the, you. Now, now let me let me just counteract that though because here's here's something that because I agree I fully agree. Um, and then I want you guys to look at this picture and I want you to react, but not I'm yet. Look, I'm looking, I'm, I'm wait, looking. Wait, wait, You're looking, wait, are you, wait, wait, are you look, okay, right look, look at the picture, look at the picture now. Oh, look at sure. Now okay. and then react. Oh go God, ahead, I'm go so for it. Excited. This is go terrifying. Yep, there you go. Not you. Oh, yep, no, no, there you go. Not you, not you in the middle of that picture looking I'm... terrifying. Like me with, with, with my, with my, uh, my dreadlocks that I just taken out with my bandana. It's the bandana for me. It's the bandana for me. Yeah, wow. we're gonna we're gonna post this picture as yeah. the teaser post for your episode. Yeah, just yeah. So you know, one hundred percent. Go for it's it. It's the wristband for me. Oh, the wrist, the the sweat, the the basketball wrist. I don't play basketball. What am I doing? I, can't. I also want to talk about the fact that you fucking hate having your picture taken. Yeah, and yet that's why. And yet you're in the middle of the picture. <laughs> Wait, what? What do you mean? That's why? Because that's why. of the dude bros. Be- because because after I, you know, seven years, eight years later, and you know, now it's like 10, 12 years later. I look back at that picture and I say, "No, nah, I shouldn't take pictures. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't. I can't be in that. I can't be involved." I've had uh, to. I had to when Nick was leaving our tour of Hamilton. Yep. I had to get the selfie camera up on my phone. Yep. Run by him. Stop. Snap. And then run. I literally was like, Nick, pose, go. And that was it. Accurate. All that to say. Uh, So what were were we talking about? Yes. uh, The impact, the impact. So I bring up the dude bros because one of the dude bros uh, recently apologized to me because they realized how much they had tokenized me. Um, And this is my boy who I I love. And like, if he had never apologized to me, I would have been like, fine, like, cool. But I realized that like, my a good 70% of my college experience was being my blackness was being pointed out to me in various ways over and over and over. And that's also a good 70% of my high school and elementary school experience was all of a sudden kids around the age of 10 realizing that I don't look like them Mm. and they have to figure that out. So 
all this to say the the impact of having a teacher who looks like me was i i can't i cannot undersell or oversell the value and the and and how thankful i am that kent was in my life um and was able to direct me and and the thing is you know i i even say that to say like i think the danger of that is you know as 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 people as but as particularly as black people black artists we get boxed in one of the one of the conversations that me and sasha often have is that often <laughs> i can't tell you how many times i test or or get pinned or whatever for like a certain role and the person who gets it's a white guy and i don't say that to say like oh white guys are getting roles over me i i mean that to say the type of the type of energy that i give off is so often not right for most black shows it's it's very hard uh, speaking quite bluntly they we have not figured out the story of the black kid who grew up in a white town yet oh, we don't okay. know we don't know that and and how, and what and how to sell that and what that means what they speak like what that world looks like i don't i, I would dare say i wouldn't fit on insecure my roommate alan sure. who who played daniel on insecure very much fits on insecure like that's that's but like it was a constant thing of like you know when like even living with him i was like yeah we're two different types of black <laughs> like right it, it's just two and like it breaks down the idea that black people are a monolith um but like i have never seen myself so i already in college was in a place where like yeah okay you can give me all the august wilson you want and i can do it but that's, that's not you that's, that's not, not my you. story well we're, we're, first, we're yeah yeah go ahead no go ahead all i was gonna say was the first time the, the two plays where i saw myself perfectly was aaron the morn tied sandronicus and passing strange oh then, then i was like yeah that's me that and, and I've, i have an and i have never seen it again i have never seen it again right like that that's how like like so it, it, and, and there's so many kids from so many different backgrounds from so many different you know sexual orientations gender orientations who have the same thing claim thing to say complaint mm, that's right and that's the problem when you have teachers only when you only have white cis teachers white heteronormative teachers mm -hmm. well there, there's there's whole students who could be the most brilliant artists in the world but will never be able to find themselves because they have to see themselves through your eyes higher education which is what mia said like Th those experiences, I remember exact quotes said to me from almost 10 years ago that I will never oh, yeah. forget in yeah. college yeah. classes because I just like you enter that place with sticky fingers and everything sticks like yeah. everything stays. Well, and that's yeah. something that's something I'm so glad you said that because that's a point that now as a professor, I think about often is the thing Oof. a lot of the things that were said to me, you know, back then. Um, would teachers would be arrested today because like again this is 1907 so there were things there were th you talk about I mean, especially with adler um and and i oh, and God. i say i say this is like i am i'm on the board of adler like i love adler it's it is such a good studio but things were happening at that time that were no, not good okay. that were yeah, not okay. okay and and i think about that i'm like yeah that's that's rough that's not we we you have to be so specific 
with what you give people and, and especially people at that time in their lives. It's not about them being young. It's about, you no, know, they're here to learn and they're trusting you to teach them. So mm. that's a responsibility to yeah. not fuck them up. Yeah, um, right, right. And, and so I, I, I really just try to take that into account now. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I want to circle back really quick because I know you're a writer and I want to talk more about that. Um, but you said something interesting, like you didn't, you didn't feel like you fit into a certain category of black, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. of what we think black is. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this on a previous episode, how like, we just need more nuance, like Mm -hmm. with every character, we talked about it in terms of women, because that's what we relate to. Yeah. that's yeah. that's what we empathize with like women can be messy and that's it yes like they're messy and loud and crazy but yes. they can't be messy and gentle yep and also sexy and also really intelligent and like all of these things because like you said we're not a monolith and i mm-hmm. feel like it's the same thing when we see portrayals of black people of asian people of trans people non-binary it's like we're humans Mm-hmm. at our core right mm-hmm. and everyone has such a different experience like i want to know how how you found like in your writing mm-hmm. do you feel like you are able to write stories where you see yourself so yeah let's let's get into I just this. just really quick it's yeah. just funny to me and like nick it's funny that you're here everything is funny but i was about to ask the literal same exact <laughs> fucking question and i like i saw mia like take a deep inhale and i was like okay i go for it girl and it was exactly what i was gonna ask and also when you're when you're writing these works mm-hmm. are you actively thinking about representing yourself or is that just what comes out because you know who you are and you know what you bring to the table mm. so take that and do what you will i'm ready to listen i know me too I, I love both these questions they're really awesome questions um so i'll answer your question with a question so this this question is not my question but it comes from one of my favorite TV series of the past decade, which is Fargo. Um, I think that they did something brilliant, brilliant, brilliant with that show. And uh, especially season two, which is honestly, I would say one of the best seasons of television ever. And um, there was a question asked in season one though, by Billy Bob Thornton's character. Uh, and I promise this circles back to this, these questions, but Billy Bob Thornton as Lauren Malvo asks, uh, why did you, he says, do you know that the human eye can see more shades of green than any other color. Why? Why might the human eye be able to see more shades of green than any other color? I asked that question, this, truly. Th- and, and you're, tap you're asking, okay. Yeah, I'm asking. Think about it, think about it. Cause like- Cause most of the shit around us is supposed to be green? I don't know. Possible, Like possible. Like nature in general? Nature, yes. Okay, I'm on the right track. Oh my God, Professor Nick. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Predator, predator, prey. You have to be able to delineate in the jungle who's coming to kill you and who's not. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, what's a threat and what isn't? What's a threat? See, I'm a, di- I'm a dickhole because I literally was like, it has to do with money. <laughs> probably, I mean, that's that too. But here's, here's, here's all that to say. Human nature is categorization. It is uh, in our uh-huh. it is in our nature to be able to say that is a camera and this is a cup and this is the color black and that is a door. 
right? That, that's what we do. That is how we know how to navigate our world. So when you're talking about something like art, which is at its core, just self-expression, and then you combine that with commerce, which is at its core, categoriz categorization, mm -hmm. then what you have is the categorization of self-expression. What are you selling? What are you saying and how can we sell it? Hmm. So I don't fault commercial theater, commercial television for categorizing people, for not being nuanced because to do what it does, it needs to know what this is and how can I sell it? Hmm. That's, that is the nature of commerce in a capitalist society, which maybe we need to think about other ways than capitalism. Um, but anyway, uh, that's what we do. So I don't fault it for that. What I will say, however, is agree with you, it does need more nuance. This leads me to your question. When I write, I, like I said, I love Mark Twain. And I, my favorite thing about Mark Twain is that Mark Twain wrote who he was and what he knew. I think there is no way for any writer to not write about themselves. There's no, if you are writing something, then you are in it. Mm -hmm. And to the point where like you talked to like, so today I got to talk to uh, one of my, my favorite writers of all time. Um, this man named Eric Overmeyer. He is truly a hero to me. And um, he wrote The Wire and he wrote a show called Treme. Um, and he, yep. And he, and truly, and like, it was to be like having this general with him and just like talking to him about writing and just like picking him like, how did you do this? Um, and it is so interesting because listening to him talk, is he a character in Treme or The Wire? No. But can I see that this person wrote those things? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. There's no way there. That's yes. I see you. I, I, I literally sat, I was like, sat down on the zoom. And I was like, Oh my fuck. Oh my God. It's my favorite. Like I went to see, um, Sarah's my wife's favorite. One of her favorite movies is Moonstruck. And they were doing a showing of Moonstruck at, uh, I forget. It was like at, not MoMA, but the Mu Mu museum, of the moving image. And it was a talk back with John Patrick Shanley afterwards. And so you watch, if you, if you have never seen Moonstruck, please watch it. It's like one of the best rom-coms of all time. Olivia Dukakis was my professor in college. There you go. I Olivia love Dukakis. her. I love she's her. incredible. She's, she's incredible. She's insane and incredible. Incredible. And, and you go and you listen to John Patrick Shanley talk afterwards. And he literally sounds like every character in that movie. He sounds like them, like just the accent and the cadence and everything. You can't help but put yourself in your writing. So I am conscious and I am trying to, I think what I'm consciously trying to do is write the roles that y'all told me I couldn't play. Totally. Like what, what are the parts that I couldn't do? What are the parts that, that, that black women couldn't do? What are the parts that people generally don't get to play who look like me, who have my skin tone? Mm. Um, and I'm also trying to write the stories that light me up. And I think that often where, where people are very confounded is that stories that light me up, I think often the reaction is like, oh, wow, I didn't know that people like you paid attention. It's like, yes, yes, we, we do like genre movies. Like, like, like all of a sudden, you know, when Jordan Peele came out with Get Out, there was like this massive, uh, you know, like, oh my God, black people can write horror movies. 
Bro, our life is horror. Are you kidding me? Literally, no like, one is more qualified to write a horror movie than a black Exactly. Like, what are you talking? What are you talking? Have you seen what it's like? Like, this is what we live. So, so, <sighs> you know, I, I, I love that. I, I, I love that. And so, yes, it is a, I would say it's a, the conscious effort when I'm writing a script um, is how do I, how do I, be, like, if it lights me up, I, I know that it will light someone else up. And it's just about like, and this goes back to the conversation you have with Nicole, right? Walking in the room and being unafraid to be yourself. I find that most of the things that have been successful for me in my writing are just about me being myself. Like for instance, me and so um, Alex Brightman, um, we started the script swap in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, we would just do these happy hours and send each other scripts that we were working on and, and, to, you know, drink and talk about the scripts. And then he calls me up because he's working on a pitch for Warner Brothers, um, for Warner Brothers Animation. Um, and he, it was uh, uh, for a Flintstone spinoff. And okay. he was like, yo, do you want to go have on this thing? And we, and we spent the next like three weeks, like working on the script and what I brought to it by the end of the thing, like I do I, is my fear, you know, whatever happens with this piece, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say, you know, what, what the, what the end result was, but what I will say is my favorite part about looking back at that pitch is reading it. I was like, if you know, Alex, Alex is in there. And if you know me, I'm in there. And it so was cool. like, yeah, that's, that's the joy. Yeah. That's the joy of it. It's just like, you do these things and all of a sudden you create a world that's like an extrapolation of yourself and you get to include everybody else. You get to bring people in. Sam, you know, my favorite thing about, again, I don't like to compliment Sam, but I feel that at, what's fun about Sam uh, as an actor is that, that I, I, I like, I like to go when I'm, when I'm like, I'll do, when I write a new script before I put together a pitch deck and, and line up, you know, meetings or whatever, what I will do is I'll have friends read it. And I generally like to have friends read it who like, I know that their cadence fits my world. I, again, I do not like to compliment Sam and I refuse to, but Sam is a very smart person and, Jeez. and Sam is, a, and, and, and her wit is biting. I love a good biting wit. I love somebody who can take words and throw them. So Sam reading my work is often very complimentary to my work. It makes my work sound better than it is because mm. Sam knows how to, knows how to bite with words. And that's, that's literally everybody in my plays, screenplays, whatever art, they're all assholes. I just write a bunch of assholes and, and Sam, Sam is not an asshole, but Sam knows how to do that. And, mm. and so that, so it really, what I also love about it is like, honestly, it's also just a way to find friends yeah. because it's like, here's my world. And then, well, who fits in my world? Hmm. For those who are listening, who may not know who Nick is like, look him up because you've, you've done, you've done everything. I actually, I went, and when I, when I, when I reached out about having you come on and I was like telling Mia about you, I was like, you know, Nick to me is someone who has kind of like a Broadway Cinderella story in the world where like, he started, you start, you were an understudy, you were an ensemble member. And a week before the pandemic hit, you took over a Tony nominated role on Broadway. So like, like, you know, you, you've done it all, but 
I would be remiss if in this conversation, I want, I want to pick your brain because, mm-hmm. cause you, you are such a creator of work and you are such an admirer of work that you cherish. Yep. Um, I want to ask you about what it was like for you to get into your brain and play fucking Aaron Burr after understudying him. So like, you know, so, so Nick was man six on Broadway and Hamilton, which man six uh, and woman five were added tracks when the show went to Broadway to, they were, they are there to help the dancing ensemble hold down a vocal line. And they are there when someone, tweaks their back on the turntable has to call out and then you change into your costume and you go on and you play the role halfway through the show. So for you, so for you to join a machine there and then, and then you went from that to playing Aaron Burr eight times a week, traveling the the country um, as someone who is such, you're an introvert, you are an inward person um, for you to, create and bring yourself to a role that's already so established but you have kind of liberty there mm-hmm. knowing that you are the projection of Lynn's work and mm-hmm. you are the projection of, of Tommy and Lack and yeah. Andy's work what was it like for you to bring all of you in there and put that out and 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 if you wouldn't mind talking about it because because you are set you are Aaron Burr and you're Aww. not Aaron but you're not Aaron Burr. Like there, there's a, there's so many dynamics there. You're very, very, very sweet of you to say. Uh, I, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. And, and I put too much pressure on myself. I put so much pressure on myself and Sam, you know, me, you asked Sam, Sam can tell you about, you know, I'd say, I'd say every once in a while you get a Nick dark day and on Nick dark day, whatever Nick's and, and here's the other thing too, that I will say, and this is, this is a, a major part of it that I, I do want to bring up. Um, this is why you talk to a therapist and you talk to a psychiatrist, because now what I know is that I had unmedicated, unchecked ADHD that had been sitting inside me for 33 years. So I would feel things and be overwhelmed by things and have no choice, but to put it in my work. And it would be a very angry burr that day. Yeah. What I didn't know was actually, Hey, your brain needs a break. <laughs> Right. that's what's happening. And here's some medicine for it. Actually I didn't, the opposite, right, right? It's actually the opposite. I didn't know that. I thought that I was just a moody person. I'm not, I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was a huge change. And that I, I, I look, I, I think about who I am now on medication and I'm like, God, I wish I could get another, another, another go at that. Uh, because like what ADHD does is it just, you, the, <sighs> it's very hard to let go. It's very hard to move on. So if something happens at 10 AM, putting it away for the eight, for the 7 PM show is like, hard. I can't do that. Yeah. I actually can't. And I need to, I need to sit in that thing. And all of a sudden I become very tight and very, so on top of a role, that's already like, a that's beast. the role. That's the role. Also, it's, a, yeah. True. Oh my it's, God. it's a, it's a tough one. It's a toughie. Leslie did not make it easy. Uh, uh, for, for the rest of us. Um, you know, I'm also dealing with that and terrifying, terrifying, but, but I love a good villain and I love, and I love, and I, I, I say that to say, like, I love a person. I love complication. I love contradiction. I love layers to a character. I love 
being able to do one thing one moment and do something completely contradictory the next. I think that is so, that's why villains are the best characters. I just think they are. And Burr is not even a villain. Burr is just a person very clearly trying to do what he feels is right and what he feels, you know, what I loved about that process, um, you know, I playing a principal was something that I had wanted to do since I got into Broadway, since I, since I made my Broadway debut, Broadway debut back in 2012. <laughs> and, um, and it'd been a long, it'd been a long time coming. I mean, I, I've always been slow and steady wins the race. I've never, I've never been the person who comes out the gate doing the thing. You know, uh, when I graduated NYU, half my cast or classmates, excuse me, were booking series regulars and recurrings and Broadway shows. I was doing children's theater in the back of a nine by 13 foot van. Right. And that was my first gig. And it took me, it took me a second. Like I, I, and it's always been that I've never been immediate. Um, you I know? That. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've learned to appreciate that. I've learned to enjoy that, enjoy that process. Cause it's taught me a lot. And it's also been longevity because now I look back and I'm like, Ooh, yeah. A lot of people have burned out. I'm still here. Right. It's so much more sustainable. You sustain. Exactly. Yeah, and, is. and, and you learn these, you learn these tricks of the trade. So all this to say, uh, you know, I'd been doing this Broadway thing for a minute and you get to play, you get Aaron Burr. They, I, I knew that something was up because the whole, you know, I, I knew that they were starting the Philip tour um, the whole summer before, uh, you know, I put my hat in the ring and then every time I'd go on for Aaron Burr that summer, you know, I'd be in the dressing room at intermission and Lynn would knock on the door and be like, Hey man, just here to see you. Or Jeffrey would be like, Hey, just checking in. Tommy would be like, Hey, checking in. And you're like, Oh God, this is creepy and a lot of pressure. And then I literally remember getting the phone call October of 2017. And uh, this will show you where my priorities work. So my agent was like, Hey, I know why we haven't heard anything. It's because you're the new Aaron Burr. And I were, and I remember the first thing I remembered and the Samuel loved this. The first thing I remembered was not, was not how much I was dying to have that role. The first thing that came to my head was the itinerary. And the first thing about the itinerary that came to my head was that the tour was going through Orlando. And I literally called up my wife and I said, guess what? We're going to fucking Disney world. You're such, you're the worst. Oh, that's absolutely. I'm, I'm so, so fascinated by this part of you. We can talk like, about that. We'll like, be, we'll, we, need, well, we need to do an episode with, um, with Nick and Fergie. Yes. Because we will talk about it. We'll is talk Fergie about also it. like a big Disney world fan? Oh yes. He Fergie. has a, he has a Mickey mouse tattoo. Yeah, yeah. No, we're we're big old Disney World fans. I'm We've, so curious. I, I love Disney World in terms of like Harry Potter World, but I'm going to be real. Like I haven't had a blast at Disney World. So, oh, the second I'm fully vaccinated, I get my second dose tomorrow. Yeah. Um, The second I'm fully vaccinated, it's an effective. It's like effect. It's like yeah. happening in my body. Yeah. I'm going to Disney going to the parks. Going I'm to going. Parks. Yeah, yeah. You. Absolutely. Mia, you haven't gone with us yet. Yeah, yeah, you got to You got to go the right way. My mom was a Disney right specialist when she was a travel yeah. agent. So yeah. I, I did get a special treatment when I used mm -hmm. to go. Okay, I, I'm very down to have my mind change. I feel I feel like I'm like missing the gene that's you like are. obsessed you, with Disney. You haven't had the experience yet. Okay. Once, okay. once, once you once yet yeah, once you've once you know how to do the parks as a, as a grown up. Sure, sure, sure. It yeah. will change your world, and and it does involve alcohol, but it also involves. Like, like, like 
planning this like okay we're gonna we're gonna talk about that uh, you know no, i'm second. excited i'm down i'm fully down so yeah. so all this to say yeah i i called sarah I was like we're going to disney world um and she was like thank god um and also but, like and also like i i got a job <laughs> like, I got I'm a, playing her. yeah also yeah, i got yeah. a job yeah you're good you're good we got a job um but it was it was truly crazy and it was crazy because i knew you know there was many discussions between me and tommy and patrick uh that it wasn't that I didn't want to do Aaron Burr like like P, uh, like like I my here's here's how I approach a text. I look at it and I say, what is the text telling me? And then I say, what do I want to do with the text? Hmm. And I just when I read the text, I'm not listening to any iterations of it, not worrying if I, you know like like truly putting the blinders onto you know understanding Leslie, understanding BVD, understanding Breaker. Like, what is my burr? Who do I, who is my burr? Who am I? And I was like, read this. And I was, I, it just struck me how much of an asshole this guy is. Like, he's just a, he's a snarky asshole. He just has these comebacks that are like, like just rude and very fun. And I just, I loved that. And I loved the idea. Uh, and I think this goes back to how I write my characters too. I, I don't, you know, there's, two stories in life a uh, hero goes on a journey or hero comes to town and i'm someone that always prefers hero comes to town and why i prefer that is because usually that that is that is the story of somebody running from truth that is the story of somebody you know who's putting things off as a, as opposed to in pursuit of something burr in the story of hamilton is a detective he he starts the show and he asks how did you do this? I have to figure it out. The lie he believes is that he did it by some, some, you know, genius mathematics. Like that's literally what room where it happened is about. It's like, okay, I, I'm putting together what you did and you said this to him and you did this for him and you, and you gave him this. The truth he comes upon is no, it doesn't matter what Hamilton did what matters is that Hamilton did something and you Burr do nothing. So do something. And it, it, from that he makes like mistake. I mean, he just becomes just a, a snake because he's like, well, if, if the only rule is do something, Oh, I'll do a lot of shit and I won't care. And, and so he destroys this man's life because it's all about doing something. And right. at that point, he's it's, he's just so pressurized that it, he's not going to look back. So I was more interested in somebody who was denying the truth than somebody who was in pursuit of it. I was I was interested in somebody who put who it was like it was watching a the way I used to think of it was like the pressure cooker. Yeah, watching this that's like, an Andy Blankenbuehler classic. Oh, it is. It's one hundred percent. Andy Blankenbuehler describes every single movement in Hamilton as you are a pressure cooker, and you the are. top the top almost flies off, but it doesn't. <laughs> yes, that's and that's how I thought of Burr. I was like, so to me, Burr is like Tony Stark, but Tony Stark in a it, going going the exact wrong way, <laughs> like like truly yeah. somebody who's just like. You know, I'm a playboy. I got money. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fuck. I'm fucking good. That's Burr to me. Yeah. It's just like that. That progression of like from, from denial and and and, yeah. and and like knowing he's full of shit. I mean, 
It's interesting that we're talking about Aaron Burr and that you, you know, you are one of the most complex people that I know and you played Aaron Burr and were able to kind of like play with like, what are you searching for? And what are you breaking down in a show that's so established? Um, mm -hmm. And we're talking about underrepresented kinds of people and humans and uh, humans with mental illness being represented mm -hmm. on a stage and not being a stereotype. I think mm -hmm. that, yeah. you know, Aaron Burr is a fucking villain who doesn't know he's a villain, yeah. who definitely like needs fucking medication and, yeah. and, and needs to go to see a therapist to talk about his parents and talk about the fact that he's, you know, Nothing in his life is easy. And 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 every single traumatic experience that Aaron Burr has has processed in his life goes into his hatred for one person. Yeah. That ends up, you know, I don't know. I don't know if maybe I'm a psycho, but no. I feel so anytime I've seen the show or done the show, my heart breaks for Aaron Burr when he yeah. shoots Alexander Hamilton, not yeah. for Alexander Hamilton. It breaks for Aaron Burr because you want so badly to hate him, but we all see ourselves in those kinds of characters, whether it's whether it's being a homewrecker, whether mm. it's not getting something that someone you feel is not as good as you is getting. You know, like we all see ourselves in those characters. I think that he's such a fleshed out human. Uh -huh. No one, you can't tell me one person that has gone to see Hamilton that doesn't see themselves represented on stage in a character. Like yeah. in one character, that is crazy. Yeah. And it might it might vary from song to song. It might vary in costume. It might vary in how you walk across the stage, but you see yourself in him because he, yeah. it, he is all of us. Well, it, that's what I'm, that's, I, I love that you said that because I think that's what I love about playing Burr is that Burr is us. We are not, most of us are not the superhuman that Alexander Hamilton is. Most of us are the person watching the superhuman saying, how the hell did you do that? And how can I do that? Yeah. And, and what I love about Burr to that end is this idea that he is also, I think, you know, in a story that is about the American story, he is the greatest comment on America because what is America, if not the myth of exceptionalism and tokenism, right? The idea that like in, in America, what we revere is the person who climbed up and did the thing and succeeded, right? That's that's the American dream. The poster well, if, child. If, mm -hmm. and if and if that's your American dream, wait. What is wait for it about? Wait for it is about pressure. Wait for it is the literally the ghosts of your past telling you to do something and telling you that it's not worth doing unless it's perfect. That what what kind of pressure is that? To, that's to, the American pressure. That, that's that's America. Capitalism. <laughs> exactly. That's the idea, the idea that you can't make a move until it's perfect. Like, so that by the time Burr gets to a song like Room Where It Happens, he is so bogged down by perfectionism that he is like, it's, it's almost like Frankenstein's monster. He is released uh -huh. in such a way that like, he does the exact opposite of what a good person would do. And that's what I, I, I just, I loved because I know that story so well, because that token, like when you are the thing, you know, and this circles back to the idea of, of you know, be, being the token as a person growing up, there is a pressure to be that ta part of that talented 10th. Well, if I'm the only one here, then I got to show you that oh, I belong here. fuck, totally. And that's Burr. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and, and so I know that very well. And, and I will say, most people that I know respond to that in one of two ways. Either you are, you know, in the corner doing the work and, and just being quiet and making sure it all happens, or 
you have really amazing defense mechanisms where you are an asshole and you do have a quippy comeback and you do slough people off. And that is Aaron Burr to me. Like Leslie did his performance and it's obviously a legendary performance, but like, I'm not Leslie. I've never been Leslie. I, I you know, uh, and I, I never will be. I'm not going to try to out Leslie Leslie. Well, and if people are going to be paying hundreds of dollars to come see a performance, I don't want to see a picture show. I, I, I would yeah. much rather see a human that I can relate to in a fun, new and exciting way yeah. than yeah. I'll, I, I can go watch it on Disney Plus. I can listen to the cast recording and I'll pay homage to those people as I do that. But like if I'm going to go see a tour of Hamilton in Kansas City, Missouri, I want to see this portrayal because this is the one that I'm looking at with my own eyes. Yeah. Um, so that, that's 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 really that's very fascinating. And yeah, man, I enjoyed awesome. it. I had a blast. It's, a, it's also like just text, like when, yeah. when you think about it, like that's exactly right. What if we didn't have an original Broadway cast album to reference and you never saw the show? Like you would literally just see words on a page. You would see sheet music. Well, and notes. also if we're specifically talking about Hamilton, beyond just being text it's a fucking history lesson mm -hmm. it's a his it's a history lesson it's literally like hey these people existed and this is the these are the logistics of what happened so yeah. like so do with it what you will yeah it take it right? take it it's a springboard it's literally like bounce off and like and like see what sticks to the wall you know my favorite version my favorite thing my favorite person who did this was it's yours it's your opinion there's no best. art is right like it's how yeah. you're consuming it yeah there's no yeah. take take that pressure off yourself to to say that somebody is the best version of something anybody getting into this profession here's here's why here's what i can say people can see themselves more often in you if you're a good fucking person preach if you are kind mm -hmm. if you do not look down on people if you in fact are selfless if you take the time to listen and lift people up and you don't do it as a way to get ahead, you do it because it's the right thing to do. Kindness actually goes far. You know, perfect. That's like a perfect button, I think, like button. for this whole conversation. We, lo we love a button. <laughs> um, well, Nick, this was fucking awesome. Yeah, brilliant. I love you. I hate that I even just said that, but. I know, I know. <laughs> It's gonna and it's gonna follow you now. No. Now I heard it. Now I heard it. We're no. just so thankful that you would come and talk with us on the pod. So hell yeah, thank you so much. No, I'm I'm honored that you guys would ask. I'm so excited to continue to watch this thing grow and grow. Hmm. Um, and y'all are the best, and you know whatever. Love and, you. And, and yeah, and always you know I, I'm on the Instagrams and the Twitters or whatever for people listening. So look 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 at it. Yeah. yeah. What what are your handles so people can go follow you? It's Nikki Walks. It's always Nikki White. I'm not creative. I, I just go with what people called me growing up. Nikki Walks, uh, at Nikki Walks, N-I-K-K-Y-W-A-L-K-S. Uh, you know, and I check out my podcast, Little Justice Movie Podcast, and uh, also the Chaos Twins on Broadway World. Hell yeah. Arts Hell and yeah. Yeah, man. Love yeah. you. You rock. Love you. you rock. Signing off on Rooftop Episode 4. Farewell. Bye. <laughs> Bye.